Welcome to Dish the Dirt, a light-hearted and fun podcast about Australian flower growers, their stories, knowledge and insights into the industry. I'm your host Rebecca and each week I speak to a different farmer and get them to dish the dirt. Dish the Dirt acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. We pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to Season 5 of Dish the Dirt. It is so wonderful to be here and to be sharing more Australian flower farmers' stories. Uh, I've got such a great season lined up for you. It will be split into probably two halves. I'll have a little break for a week or so at Christmas and then it will be back. But um, yeah, let's kick it off with Sonia from Curry's Flowers, which is located in Carolee, 40 minutes west of Brisbane in Queensland. Curry's Flowers is a family-owned and operated flower farm specialising in premium roses and gerberas. It was founded by Don and Linda Curry. Sonia's parents on the family cattle farm over 45 years ago and Sonia and her husband helped manage the farm and are in transition of Don and Linda retiring and them taking over. It sounds like a pretty special place and I'm just going to put in here that there's a question I asked Sonia who inspired her and she definitely wants everyone to know that it's her parents. (laughs) Because sometimes when you're in the moment of this podcast, you forget things. So I'm putting it in there. Don and Linda are Sonia's inspirations. Uh, Let's get into it. So do you want to start us off by just telling me how about maybe let's chat about your childhood because I know that's sort of where flowers probably began for you. Yeah, definitely. So, um, well, our business is curry flowers and I grew up on the farm. So um, it's been operating for about 45 years. My parents met in agriculture college out at Gatton in Queensland. um, And my father wanted to do actually broad acre crops, but my mom wanted to do flowers. And I guess the saying happy wife, happy life (laughs) came into play. So, um, my dad's um, auntie actually had a cattle farm in Carolee and so they approached her and they said, can we rent a bit of land off you? And so we lived in a caravan for, um, I wasn't born then, they set up and then yeah. I came along, like my brothers actually came along first and me and we lived in a caravan next to actually the house that I live in now, which was my great auntie's house. Wow. We lived in there for like... Um, four or five years while my parents were establishing the business and growing yeah. the business, they um, grew a few cash crops to begin with. So um, okay. like zucchinis, capsicums first before they went into flowers just to get an income. Yeah. And then once they got some money from that, they um, went into um, carnations and kangaroo paw, um, a few different little things before eventually settling into um, roses and gerberas. Yeah. So um, once they got that established, then they built on a house on the other side of the property. And I grew up, um, I guess, every day as a toddler at the farm, as a um, small kid before school, I was just always at the farm. Yeah. Um, our weekends were spent visiting different 
um, flower growers up in Mount Tambourine at Bayside. And just, yeah, um, so I grew up not only on this farm but on quite other few farms around the area. So it's kind of has always been in my blood whenever we'd go on holidays, if we drove past a florist, we'd stop. If we drove past a farm, (laughs) we would stop and say, hey, we're flower growers, can we check out your farm? So, Yeah, yeah, it's kind of always been in my blood but I didn't actually want to do it when I left school. I went and did hotel management Mm. and worked in five-star hotels in Brisbane um, in reception and concierge Um, and then my mum actually got breast cancer when I was I think just after my 18th birthday yeah and I would then I transferred my shifts to night shifts and I'd work on the farm on my days off so I guess that's how I got back into it yeah and from like from seeing flower farms back when you were a child what's what's the biggest thing that you've noticed change in that time do you think um to be honest I probably didn't pay that much attention as a child (laughs) I think we were just like woohoo it's a new farm yeah damn can we play in or something like that um I've definitely seen the amount of farms decrease Mm. um is that just in your years. particular area? I think in a, all across Australia, I think um, import imported products have affected um, growers. I think um, it is a very labour intensive um, farming, so we do have high costs with labour and that sort of stuff. Mm. So um, unless you can compete with the imported products, particularly in roses, um, there's not, there is money to be made, but yeah, you do have to definitely have that really good quality to compete with the imported products. I'm not entirely against imported products, especially now I know that people need them. I'm more against imported products in the way that they do bring pests and diseases into Australia. Um, And ultimately, if anything gets into Australia, it's the farmer that ends up getting hurt, um, not the people importing them. Mm. Their business keeps continuing. They keep importing products into Australia. It's us that loses. We lose our crop. We spend thousands of dollars on chemicals trying to beat whatever pests come in so that's the only reason I'm against imported products yeah and what sort of pests are you battling where you are um so pretty much the same as Mr Nudes was saying on his podcast um two spotted mites are really big with roses um and drip is our second one yeah so it's um it's a constant battle we do use IPM, so integrated pest management, where we buy lots of good bugs to eat the bad bugs. But it's just a constant struggle. There's not a lot of good bugs that eat thrip in the roses. Yeah. In the gerberas, they do. They um, We can successfully have a really good, successful IPM program to battle all of the bugs in the gerberas. The roses are a little bit harder to get certain species of good bugs to yeah. um breed and that sort of stuff yeah so let's go back to when you 
talk like when you started working on the farm because your mum fell sick. So yeah. did you was that a conscious decision that you then decided to go onto the farm and help them um, more? When did you move um, back? Well, not really. So I came back and I would help on um, any spare moment when mum was sick. Yeah. Um, so I would work graveyard shifts at the hotel and then come on the farm and um, work there to help mum out. And then once mum got better, I actually met my husband around that time and we actually went off travelling. We did the east coast of Australia, um, kind of backpacking around, and we worked on other types of farms. So we worked on apple farms, capsicum farms, that sort of stuff. And then when I came back, I had all intentions to go back into hotel management and mum was like, what are you going to do now? And I said, oh, I'll get a job in a couple of weeks. I'll just help you out until then. And I just never left. I actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I think then I knew that I'd met my husband-to-be and yeah. I wanted to settle down and have kids and I didn't want to do shift work anymore. Yeah. And I really enjoyed my just working on the farm. So I just kind of never left. Yeah. (laughs) And is your husband a farmer or was he a farmer? No, actually, when I met him to begin with, so before we went traveling, he was actually worked in childcare. Okay. Yeah. And then um, when we got back from traveling, he started his own landscaping business up. So he did know a bit about plants and that from landscaping. And then um, dad just contracted him to help at the farm and then the same thing he just kind of never left as well so he gets along really well and works really well with my father so yeah my father and him do the growing side of it and yeah. I do all of the post harvest side so or once they're all the crops are picked and in the fridge and packing sheds I then process them and yeah and in charge of the selling side of it yeah and do you have staff so I have 12 people that yeah. work for for us so yeah, yeah it's quite a big business um mm. that's probably not my strongest point um of managing a business <laughs> is the staff side of yeah. it yeah I'm a pretty by nature a pretty shy person and I hate confrontation yeah and I'm not the best communicator if I'm honest with you yeah yeah um, so it's, okay. I do, <laughs> it's not my strongest point yeah. Um, and I think people that have worked with me for a few years, they understand me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do struggle to really try and inspire people to have the same passion that I have for it, to have the same, mm. I don't know, want to, I don't know, have the same good quality that I yeah. want. If I could do it all, I would love to because then I know everything I'm ship- shipping out is, the quality that I want it to be yeah um, so I think that's where I struggle but yeah I yeah it's super uh, tough in any business you know like especially if it's something that you're really passionate about and that you love um it's sometimes it, it's hard to let go you know like I know yes, that with yes, me definitely. I so, don't have anyone in my flower shop because I can't, you know, I can't hand over those reins just yet. I can't see a bunch walk out and it not be 100% what I'm happy with. Yes, so, yes. yeah, I get um, that. It's very hard to con- to tuck that control freak in. And sometimes yeah. I just have to say to my girls, 
I'm talking about control freaking. I just have to walk out the door and let you guys do your job. (laughs) Yeah. So your parents started growing carnations and kangaroo paw and a few other things. Why did they change to roses and gerberas? Um, I think more so, um, well, carnations, especially where we are. So we're like west of Brisbane, so it's kind of a hotter, drier climate. Um, and for us to grow carnations, well, it was, they were a one year crop. So we mm. wanted something that we could keep, like we're all hydroponically, but we could keep growing for longer than a year. So I guess it was um, a little less um, labor intensive, you could say. Mm. So I think they were just starting to look at crops that were, and carnations did for a while back then go out of fashion. Yeah. Um, so they stepped into roses and gerberas and um, we just, I think we just decided, they decided that they were growing them well and could grow them well. So they just kept expanding on yeah. those crops. Yeah. And yeah. how many, um, how big is your farm? Just so that we can, I haven't asked you this question yet. How many gerberas so and how many roses? around 66,000 rose bushes. Okay. And you've only got 12 staff. <laughs> I mean, it's, well, there's wow. 12 staff and, um, yeah, there's 12 of us, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we have around 13,000 gerber plants. So we grow yeah. the standard roses um, and spray roses. And then yeah. in the gerberas, we grow your large gerberas, your mini gerberas, and we are now as of the last three or four years, we grow the Pomponi mini gerberas. Yeah. Because um, they're just absolutely amazing, beautiful. Yeah, I love them. So they look like little dahlias. Yeah. And then we also have another section of the farm where we grow what we call just the filler crops. So we grow a meal, um, Easter daisy, or some people call it butterfly aster, um, and paper status. Okay. And that's just yeah. um, a couple of little sideline crops that we do. Um, mainly because we're we're like 35 minutes out of Brisbane so freight is a big cost for people to buy direct from us because I Mm. grow for um, three big wholesalers in Brisbane and then I also grow for about 45 florists so I do a bit of both so some florists can buy direct from me and then I do do a lot of some wholesalers so uh, we wanted just a few other little crops that got just added value for people when they were buying direct from us because freight is a little bit expensive. So it, they could just add a few more things into their box. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So do you sell interstate or only? So in I Brisbane? do, um, all my wholesalers are in Brisbane. I don't yeah. have any wholesalers interstate. I do have a few florists. Um, I have a couple down as far as Ballina. Yeah, um, well. and then I have one in Darwin. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And why did you decide to go? Did, was it just a um, a normal transition for you to go onto the kind of um, selling side of things, the the post harvest side, or did you have um, a yeah, did you have a go I at think, growing? No, I think. Um, well, when I stepped into my biz- into the business. My brother also worked in the business, which he no mm. longer does. He stepped out of it and he was, he did the growing with my father. So I just naturally, and I think cause mum was sick. So I just yeah. came in and 
helped her out. Yeah, okay. I enjoy it. I actually yeah. get a thrill of um, when we have a large crop, like, holy crap, how am I going to sell all these flowers? And yeah. then at the end of the day, like, patting myself on the back. Yes, I sold them all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, nice. <laughs> they're going on the truck tomorrow, you yeah. know. Um, so I kind of really enjoy It's very high pressure. I start at 4.30 in the morning and I'm on the go for, like, till 12 yeah um, trying to get everything packed because you're dealing with a perishable and I like my stuff packed and shipped out the door I don't believe in storing um I'm not interested I would rather people know that when they're getting my product it's fresh yeah so there's that intense pressure to get everything out the door Mm. and then from 12 to 2 30 when I finish it's a little bit more chilled but um I do really like the challenges that the sales kind of side brings. Yeah. So are you selling every day? Do you pick and then sell every day or what does an average week look like for you? So roses get picked every day. Yeah. Gerbras get picked every second day. Mm. Um, So, yeah, the start of the week, so probably Monday to Wednesday are our craziest days. Yeah. And then Thursday, Friday are a little bit more relaxed, not so crazy. Yeah. And then Saturdays and Sundays, we don't really process. We just pick and chuck them in the fridge and we process them on Monday. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. But yeah. it's seven days a week. It's um, long hours. So I start earlier in the morning and I think that just works well with my husband and family life. So if mm. I start earlier in the morning, get everything ready for the early trucks and then I finish like two, so probably start like 4.35-ish, depending yeah. on what trucks I've got. And then um, I finish at like 2.30, so I can do the kids in the afternoon. My husband can do the kids in the morning, and then he does all the spraying and all that sort of stuff in the afternoon. So it's just that constant juggle, and that works well for family life as well. So Yeah, yeah. And yeah. now that um... – I read in your bio that your parents are retiring. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, they they are and they aren't. So yeah, okay. dad will always be a farmer. So yeah. he works until like 11 and then he goes home for his siesta and then he comes back in the afternoon. Yeah. Or until the weather's good. If the weather's good for fishing, he's out of here. Yeah, right. <laughs> he packs his boat <laughs> up and he goes for a week or two he, rings there's um a couple of his friends that own propagation australia and a couple of other farms and they just ring the weather's good let's go and they're out of here so um mum did step back for a couple of years um but then i think she got bored because she came back in covid to help me out because i had no staff in covid and then she just never left and now (laughs) she's like i'll just do the propagating and all of these little bits so I yeah. don't actually think she wants to go back to retirement. So yeah, um, I, just let, I just let them potter around and do whatever they do. And yeah, I just think if they're doing something, it's one less thing that I have to do. Yeah, um, totally. And we don't really fight that much. We do have our little disagreements and I really yeah. do enjoy, I guess I look at it as I enjoy seeing them every day. Not many people get to see their parents every day mm. and, I'm, I guess I'm lucky in that aspect and they help me out with the kids and so mum can take the kids to school every morning and that sort of stuff. So it yeah. really is a nice little family unit. Yeah. 
I think my question was going to be, is there anything that big that you want to change or, you know, because sometimes when people have had, um, like we'll take my family, for example, my grandfather did things a certain way. And then when my uncle went onto the station, he wanted to do things in maybe a different way. (laughs) So he changed things up slightly just because I think also my grandfather, you know, he, Maybe he didn't, he think, he sort of thought that the new ways of doing things were a bit progressive, whereas, yeah. I, I don't know, is there anything that you've changed? A hundred percent. And I have learned, though, and I probably learned the hard way to do it kind of slowly. And mm. sometimes it's better just to drop little hints and make them think that it was their decision. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've kind of learned what works well for them because I I get it I get that this was their baby this was their business and Mm. they started it from scratch like I 100% get it yeah and sometimes they'll just let me like I'll go on a tangent I'm gonna do this and this and this Mm. and they'll just roll their eyes and go yeah okay Sonia and I'll go and do it and then they'll come back and be like so what did you learn and I was like yeah I probably (laughs) should have listened to you on that one so like (laughs) Yeah. Like five or six years ago, oh, yeah, I was like all into it. Like, yeah, I want to grow all these amazing new crops. Like, you know, that was when like florets was starting and all those mm. wonderful. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to grow dahlias and I'm going to grow zinnias and I'm going to grow all these like cool things and I'm going to have all this extra stuff that people are going to want to buy from me. Yeah. And then my dad's always had the motto, grow no more than four or five things and grow them well. Like okay. don't yeah. try and grow everything just grow a couple of things and grow that well instead yeah. of growing 20 things and growing at subpoor. And I was like, you know yeah. what, dad, these are like cottage garden flowers. Like we can do this, like we can grow extra. And then I just realized I didn't actually have the time to grow all these extra crops and we, our climate wasn't good. And we, the section where we grow a meal and status and all of this stuff, it's, it's all hydroponically, but it's not, the most technical hydroponical setup. So mm, okay. we catch all of our water and we were just pumping it to this section of the farm where we grow our own meal and stuff. Yeah. And so it wasn't the right, right fertilizers and waters for all. Like I remember when I grew Queen Anne's lace and this thing just grew so tall, like it was as tall <laughs> as the greenhouse roofs. And I was, wow. like, <laughs> I was like, okay, so maybe I'm not doing this right. Like I can't even I think that's it. pretty it's cool. Like, <laughs> it's like trees. Yeah. And dad's like, see, you just got to grow four or five things and you've just got to grow them well. Yeah. So I learned that pretty early on that I can't really grow everything that I want to grow. And yeah. I learned pretty well. Like with dahlias, they're amazing, but we're probably just a little bit hot. So I kind of then worked with a few other farmers so like Redlands, for instance, they're amazing growers, um, mm. Bayside in Queensland. And I was speaking to them and they grow dailies and they grow them okay. spectacular. So they kind of said to us, well, and we're just talking over conversation one day and we just worked out, well, why don't you grow more dahlias and pull out your gerberas because gerberas weren't really in fashion and they're still, they're amazing, but people either love them or hate them. Yeah, yeah. And so they pull out they pulled out all their gerberas and they're like, you guys grow amazing gerberas 
and I'm like, well, you guys grow amazing dahlias, so you grow them and I'll grow these and we oh, won't that's flood so the market. So yeah. I think it's about working with farmers around you and knowing your market as to mm. what you grow as well. So I learned that about five or six years ago that, A, yes, my father was right and you should only focus on <laughs> not growing everything and just growing things that you can grow and growing them well yeah. and knowing your market and working with other farmers. I I love working with other farmers. I love yeah. it when people call me and I'm we're constantly calling other people, hey, we've got this, what are you doing to kill this bug or this disease or something like that? Yeah. And the industry yeah. is so small now, so I think that's really important that we do support each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you feel about... Are they, I guess, all the industry groups that are sort of starting up, do you feel that we need something like that or you're just quite happy you think it's kind of going? Yeah. 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 So 100%, I think the more back in, so back when I was a child, so my father used to be president of the Queensland Flower Girls Association Mm -hmm. and it was so different back then. I remember just these and even 10 12 years ago they used to have these amazing field days where farmers could get together Um, the government would give out grants and that sort of stuff so I reckon that was amazing these days the government doesn't give out any grants so that's really hard (laughs) yeah yeah, that's really hard for um, our industry to get together like because they used to give out a percentage each year and you could do four or five field days Mm. with groups of farmers and go around to different farms and you would just learn so much so like I mean I think these industry groups are amazing I just really feel for them because I used to be on the board of Queensland Flowers and unfortunately we ran out of money um Mm. and it's really sad um I know Queensland um Victorian Victorian flowers I think they have the bucket subsidy where they get money through that so yeah yeah no I'm all for it I think it's great yeah cool and what would be your biggest piece of knowledge that you would like to share oh I don't know to be honest um I feel like your dad had a pretty good one. (laughs) (laughs) Focused on a few things. And research and and development, like um, we do have um, consultants, like so we have Rose consultants that we use over in Holland um, that, well, they haven't because of COVID, but they Mm. um, fly out once a year. um, Invest in that. Like, I mean, if you spend X amount of money and you walk away with one good tip that's going to make your quality better or to yeah. something that you make a bit more money, it's it's worth it. So we yeah. have a rose consultant and a gerber consultant. Um, we test all of our water. So we catch all of the runoff. We send it to labs and then we work out our fertilizer and that sort of stuff. So invest yeah. in those kind of things because I mean if if they can just correct one thing and you can grow a little bit better it's worth yeah. it because at the end of the day you want to sell a good quality product yeah um, that keeps your name going and yeah. it's not always easy we've had I'll admit we've had a shocking year this year just with mm. mites like we cannot okay. get on top of them 
yeah it is not easy I'm not by any means saying we've got the recipe yeah down because it's like it it's just farming like it just goes up and down you have a good year and you have a bad year and yeah we've I've lost a whole Valentine's Day crop because of thrip and literally have cried like in the greenhouse but you just got to um dust yourself off and learn from your mistakes yeah 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 and why do you love farming what makes you tick we know who wants you to answer this question (laughs) (laughs) thank you Mr Nude Blue um what makes me tick well, lots of different things about this industry. I really do love this industry. I love seeing um, Australian flower growing growers succeed. I love it when I see on Instagram people raving about Australian growers. Um, I love it all from just the growing side of it to this. Like, I just love it. I don't know if it was in my blood because I grew up on it. Um but I just, I love it all. But yeah. in saying that, I do also love my time off the farm. Yeah. So it's a balancing act. I live on the farm. So literally I can sit on my back deck and I look at my greenhouses. Yeah. So um, I have a love-hate sometimes relationship with it. Yeah, because um, <laughs> Yeah, but um, I love it. I, I, yeah. I do. Yeah. So. I don't know. Did that answer your question? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have a favourite uh, rose that you have? Um, uh, it changes. Um, yeah. It changes on um, different if one's doing really well and growing really well. Um, I guess it changes on my mood as well. It changes on what pests we have. Yeah. <laughs> So, but I do love, and I would, I'm too hot to grow them. I love all the garden varieties, but yeah. I'm just too hot to grow them. Yeah. Um, but the one that I'm growing at the moment that I love at the moment is a new one that we're growing called Sunset. So it's more of a, um, it does have a cottagey kind of feel. It's not, so yeah. we're growing these new varieties that ha- we call grass hearts. So they have okay. like these green things in the middle. So it's kind of like that, oh, but yes, it doesn't I've seen have them. a true grass heart. Yeah. Um, and it's a beautiful um, kind of a sunset colour. So it's a beautiful apricot-y kind of colour. Yeah, beautiful. And you can see you... it on our. Yeah, no, sorry. sorry. Go for it. I was about to say you could you can see it on our Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw it the other day. Um, so do you import your roses from overseas? So if you're getting a new variety, um, where do so you buy those few, from? Do you... um, yeah, so it's actually getting harder and harder um, for because there's hardly any um, Australian rose growers anymore. Breeders don't really invest a lot of money to get new um, varieties into Australia. I think it costs them once they get them through quarantine um, about $10,000 per variety. Okay. And there's no guarantee that it's going to grow well in Australian climate and it's going to do well for us and that they're going to make their money back on sales. So Australia now, because the imported products have killed the rose growers, Mm. from about 300 rose growers about 
15 years ago to about 20 now. Wow. Breeders yeah. aren't investing in, in Australia, into okay. Australian rose growers. So they're yeah. really investing all of their money into all of like the rose growers on the equator that grow those big, beautiful imported roses with the big heads. Yeah. And so that it is really a struggle. And I do say that to my dad often I'm like in 10 years I don't know how I'm going to get new varieties I just mm. don't know how I'm going to do it so yeah yeah, yeah. it's a constant it is a concern of mine because yeah. there aren't very many breeders rose breeders that are sending varieties into Australia okay there's a few and um luckily we get a couple each year but that's not guaranteed that they're going to grow well yeah for me compared to someone in Victoria like our climates are so different yeah Um, yeah that's so yeah yeah so yeah it's definitely tough and it's definitely something that we have to think about and how we're going to get around that like pre-COVID um we did fly over to Holland and have these discussions with the breeders and how we're going to do this so I think post-COVID it'll be something that we really have to think about again Um, yeah and is that something that you your farm has to fund to try and get this or do you is there backing from the agricultural sector to get new varieties in yeah yeah no so each breeder has um my mind's gone blank each breeder has a supplier in Australia that they deal with and then we contact them for trials and that sort of stuff Mm. yeah no that's all on the breeder Um, yeah okay yeah yeah um so how in the future say in 10 years time if you like new varieties aren't coming in is there something that I don't know we can be doing now as an industry to try and prevent this from happening do you think um is there pressure that could be put on to the agricultural sector to try and help rose farmers in yeah, this way? I'm not quite sure because, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% not quite sure, to be honest. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, just interesting. The flower industry is so small mm. um, that the government doesn't really, yeah. like every time you approach them with something, they're not really interested. Like yeah. take, for instance, when we knew that was this massive biosecurity risk on these pests that were coming into Australia on roses, mm. we kept going to the government saying, look, there's this pest that's going to come in and it's going to wipe out tomatoes and all of these other industries, cotton and that sort of stuff. And they were like not even interested because flowers are so, such a small industry of stuff that's imported into Australia. Ah, it wasn't until so the cotton <laughs> I know it wasn't until the cotton industry like someone told the cotton industry and they their ears poked up and they got involved now the cotton industry is huge they have the money that backs them mm. and the government was like oh hang on we'll have a look at flowers and they did all these tests and then they realized 98% of all biosecurity incursions in Australia come in on imported flowers oh no, that's massive and yeah. it wasn't until the cotton industry with their big backing and how important they are to Australia mm. that the government stepped up and said oh hang on we need to start looking at the imported flowers yeah which is great I'm 100% not against them I just want them to be treated properly I yeah. just want them 
to be treated properly so they have no pests or bugs coming into Australia. Yeah, yeah. If they're yeah. treated properly and they're clean, that's fine. Yeah. Because there's, um, I like what Nude Bloom said, there's not enough rose growers left. I get yeah. it. I would love... I would love there to be enough rose growers that we can support Australian mm. flowers yeah, all the florists, but there's just not anymore. So they're going to come in whether we like it or not. I just want them to be treated correctly. That's my <laughs> What did he say? <laughs> he said something like, oh, some nincompoops. <laughs> yeah. We're like going through them some anyway. His words were, yeah, yeah. were very funny. Yeah. Yeah. 100% agree yeah. with everything he said. And it should, they should be treated onshore. Yeah. If treat them in Australia once they yeah. land here. Just treat them, kill everything, and then whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 Good for people to know that that's what's happening too. I yeah. Think. So, yeah. So it's not talked so about it very much. It's not. It's definitely not. Mm. Um, but if it wasn't for that cotton industry, um, because this Australian flower industry is so small that no one really yeah. listens to us. <laughs> oh, such a shame. Oh, anyway, let's not get yeah. into politics too much. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so who inspires you the most in the flower world or on your farm? Um, I get lots of inspiration from different different sources so I really do love just florists like I love Mm. seeing my product and I constantly tell people just tag me tag me because I just love seeing my product in the end floral design like I never really get to see that like I don't really leave my farm very much I ship Mm. everything out the door I don't really have any florists that come to my farm because I'm 35, 40 minutes out of Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So I get a lot of inspiration from that. I used to try and chase trends, um, but I just don't anymore. I just grow what grows well for me. Yeah. Um, because if you chase trends, by the time you've caught like, because I do things a little bit different because my climate is so hot, I will trial a rose variety for six to eight months to mm. see if it grows well for me. Yeah. And to see if it gets any diseases like powdery mildew because I'm not going to grow something that gets covered in powdery mildew all the time because yeah. it just means more work for the boys to spray. Yeah. Um, and all those things. So if it's head, if it keeps it head side because we're hot in summer, yeah. all those things. So I will grow something for like eight months to see if it grows well for me before I plant it in mass production. Yeah. So for me to chase trends, it's just too hard so I just don't I just now grow solely what I know I can what varieties grow well and grow well for my climate yeah yeah um so I still get inspiration from florists I still love seeing all of my products but then I also get inspiration from other farmers I love seeing like Redlands what they do same with Nude Blooms um same with just the tiny little guys that have these amazing and I'm so jealous like these amazing cute little zinnias that I just Mm. wish I could grow (laughs) I just can't so from everyone like I don't have anyone in particular yeah I just yeah spend my hours in bed before I go to sleep scrolling through Instagram seeing what everyone's doing (laughs) and is if you had to leave your farm quickly what would you take with you 
Um, probably nothing to do with flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I would take, well, I live on the farm, so I guess my kids and my husband should be the first thing. Um, <laughs> I have a pet cow that I hand raise because we have oh. cattle on the farm as well. Yeah, I was going to so ask you I if would... you still had cattle. Yeah. Yes, so we still, we don't have a lot, yeah. um, but we do just have like 30 or 40 that maintain yeah. the acreage. But I hand-raised a little calf two years ago called Mindy oh. and she just had her calf, her first calf, like three or four weeks ago. So, oh. yes, my Instagram's pretty much just flowers and Mindy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I would probably take Mindy and her calf and then, um, I don't know, I don't know. I, everything's insured, so. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe your parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. They the come the family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dad would probably, that would be the first thing dad would take. <laughs> yeah. So is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted to share about your farm, the way that you farm, your passions? No, I think you covered it really, really well. Um, I don't know. I, I, we're always open if anyone has a question, needs help mm. with anything, give us a call. Um, if you're travelling through Brisbane and you want to stop in, we're, our gate's always open. Thank you so much, Sonia, for being part of Dish the Dirt. It was so wonderful to have you on the podcast. And to hear all about what it was like for you and what the industry was like quite a few years ago. I really found it very informative and I'm sure lots of other people would. Uh, How great would it be if we had these field days still running? Um, What a goal to set. Anyway, I digress, but thank you so much, Sonia. It was wonderful and I can't wait to get up and visit your farm one day. If you would like to be on Dish the Dirt, you know what to do. You email me at dishthedirtpodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on Instagram. You may have to message me a couple of times because, um, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> not amazing at messages, but I will get back to you. And if you would like to leave Dish the Dirt a review, you can do so on Apple Podcasts. We have our industry day coming up, which is at Monvale. Uh on the 16th of January. How exciting. If you're coming along, we can't wait to see you. There's also another farm tour day on January the 18th. So if you haven't been able to get a ticket to the first industry day, you can always jump on and get a ticket for the little farm tour day that we are holding at Monvale. Until next week, get out there. Hopefully everyone's getting some sunshine now. I know there's been a lot of rain up in Queensland. We have a crazy storm the other night I hope you get some sunshine I hope all of those flowers are pumping and all of you keep being blooming fabulous